room in hell. The dead will walk there. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Thanks for tuning in to Body Count, the podcast for theblackesteyes.com. My name is Philip, and on the line with me here is Scott. And we are two friends who love talking about horror movies, especially today, Scott, because it's Friday the 13th. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we've been getting a lot of rain here in Southern California, which we need, and uh, today was sunny, so I'm doing great. Yeah, you know, I was looking at my weather app uh, a couple of days ago, and I just kept scrolling through the extended forecast, and every day it was just rain, rain, rain. I think it's like the next seven days are rain. So, but on Friday <laughs> yeah, the 13th, you're getting our... you know, that's okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, I guess so. It, it works out well. So we thought today on Body Count that since it is Friday the 13th, that we would talk a little bit about the original film Friday the 13th that was released in 1980, directed by Sean S. Cunningham, and of course set into motion one of the most successful horror franchises of all time. Um, how long has it been since you've seen Friday the 13th? You just you rewatched it for this podcast, I know, right? So that Yeah, I re- I rewatched it last night, but um, you know, it's probably been at least a decade since I've since I've seen it. I've seen it several times or I don't even know how many times, you know. It was one of the movies when I was growing up in the 80s that uh, you know when you spent the night at someone's house or whatever we we would get one of the Friday the 13th movies or or something like it but uh, I, you know so I saw it several times that way and but it's been it's been quite a while <laughs> I must admit well since how about you how about you you know I, I think I watch it at least once a year probably um, it's just okay. one of the, it's just one of those movies that uh, kind of finds its way to the television, and then if it's on, you know, when when AMC or whatever does these, you know, marathons and things like that, Friday the Thirteenth is one of those that if it's on, you just kind of have to watch it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and have you ever noticed that how it, it seems like even though you have the DVD sitting right there on your shelf, if something's on television, it's just it's just better to watch it for some reason. I don't know why that is, but I love. I. I... I can't quite relate to that. I don't think I have had oh, really? that experience. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> if something's on television, like it's just, just now you know on the on the programming for some reason I just love to watch it, uh, even though I've got a digital copy of it sitting right next to me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Kind of a weird thing. But tell me what yeah, you thought. Yeah. I mean, you you rewatched it. What what's your overall opinion of Friday the Thirteenth? Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's definitely not as uh, as scary as it was when I was a kid, and I don't think it holds up as well over the time over time as as Halloween does. Um, I think there's, you know, it it's definitely a knockoff. It's definitely a copycat, and I don't I don't think it's as I don't think it's quite as good. But um, I. I I guess I think part of the reason I enjoyed it and part of the reason I liked watching it, even though I don't think it's all that great of a movie, is just the nostalgia, you know, because it's it's, you know, one of those movies that when I was a kid, because when I was a kid, I got scared at movies like this. I, I, I wasn't so much a horror fan as a young person. It wasn't until my adulthood, <laughs> I think, that I really became interested in horror. Yeah, you know, John Carpenter's Halloween 
is, even though it was not the first slasher film, is usually credited with mm-hmm. kind of ushering in a new wave of, of slasher films and making them kind of a standard for the horror genre. Um, but I think you're right. I don't think there's any question that Friday the 13th saw the success that Halloween enjoyed and attempted to do something similar in order to build off that success. As a matter of fact, I think Sean Cunningham in a interview just flat out admitted that he was just trying to make a movie in order to make some money, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and he figured Halloween works, so I think I can do that too. And uh, so he makes Friday the 13th. Now, ha- having said that, I do think there are some elements that are unique to Friday mm-hmm. the 13th mm-hmm. and that in some ways established its own set of followers, especially in the 80s. Uh, for example, um, Friday the 13th kind of established that horror movie trope almost of camp counselors deep in a forest with a maniacal you know, serial killer on the loose. I mean, had any has, has any movie really done that before? You have things like Deliverance, I guess, and 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 The Hills Have Eyes, but those that's those are a little bit. That's more yeah. of a cannibalistic kind of you know, yeah. <laughs> um, kind of take. This was totally different. You know, had can you think of any movie that's that had done that before Friday the Thirteenth? No, I, not that I know of. And in fact, that that is one of the coolest things about this movie is the setting. I love I love that it's out in the woods. Yeah, and every you know every summer camp uh, experience that a teenager or a young person has ever had since, in some ways, <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth is going to color that. Uh, everybody is going to at least think at one at some point when you're in the woods. Oh man, what if somebody shows up in a hockey mask? You know, yeah. <laughs> even though nobody is in a hockey mask in this movie, it, it's still right. you know, part right. of the. Uh, well, when was Sleepaway Camp made? Yeah, Sleepaway. That's Camp. later. That's a that was later example. And then uh, Summer Camp Nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that one. Yeah, Summer Camp Nightmare is another one, and on and on and on. It goes. I mean, to a certain, you could even say, again, it's a completely different movie, but when you're watching something like The Blair Witch Project, you know, the setting of that sure. film is so creepy and eerie, but it's out in the woods. And then another thing that I think Friday the 13th did um, differently than Halloween was that it, it, it certainly incorporated more gore and special effects. And of course, Tom Savini is uh, famous for his Friday the 13th effects, whereas Carpenter went really a, a bloodless route and, and mm-hmm. wanted the the um, the idea of, of Myers stalking being where the terror was, whereas with Friday the 13th, you get to see a lot more uh, of the kill scenes. And th- th- here's what's interesting. Friday the 13th, 1980, the one we're talking about, then turned right around and had an impact on the Halloween franchise because Halloween 2 was released after Friday the 13th and Friday the 13th enjoyed success. So in Halloween 2, we see a lot more gore than we did in the original Halloween. So there's some give and take here even on how they're influencing each other. So so do you think that that uh, when they made Halloween 2 that they were intentionally tr- you know copying Friday the 13th or were they just trying to escalate for the sake of escalating? 
I've always thought that once they saw okay, sure. how, how it was used, you know, and especially how the fans reacted uh, to being able to see. Because one of the things horror movie fans like us talk about a lot, and we'll talk about it in this movie, are kill scenes, you know, yeah. and how well they're done and how creative they are and, you know, if they're believable or if they're just stupid or over the top or too excessive or whatever. But it seems like Friday the 13th, the fans really enjoyed um, in some ways, I mean, this is really strange to say, but really enjoyed seeing <laughs> the, the actual killing. And I do think that Halloween 2 kind of built off of that a little. Also, I think if you don't have John Carpenter behind the camera, you know, it, it's not as easy. Steven Spielberg was able to make a scary movie, you know, and you never even saw the shark in Jaws, right? But not everybody right, is right. Steven Spielberg. You know, right, and I don't think everybody is John Carpenter. John Carpenter, can yeah. Build the suspense successfully without the without the gore and the excitement of the gore. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I I think I enjoy the movie probably more than you do. I've seen it just so many times, and it is such a huge part of my upbringing, my childhood of watching Friday the Thirteenth. I, I like the characters. Too. Yeah. I, I've kind of, you know, have gotten to know them so well. So it's uh, Alice, you know, and um, you know, what's the uh, Steve Christie, you know, the um, the kind of the, the guy oh yeah, the bringing, owner guy. Yeah, he's bringing the the camp Crystal Lake back to life. You know, he's just so hardcore. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. go <laughs> paint, don't, go work. Yeah, don't mess around. You know, mm-hmm. got stuff to do here. And then Crazy Ralph and um, <laughs> yeah. the know. gloom and doom guy. Yeah, yeah, and just even like the dude who who gives um, who who is it the, the first one with the first late girl Annie. we see die is it Annie? That's Annie. Annie. Yeah, yeah. So the you know the guy that gives her a um, a ride in the truck and he talks about mm-hmm. you know camp blood and quit and you know there's something even about him. That is just appealing to me. I don't, you know, they're just mm-hmm. these are just real life characters to me that I think work pretty well. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you know, it's dated. I, I, you know, I think that it shows its it shows its datedness a little bit. I, I enjoyed seeing Kevin Bacon. I'd totally forgotten that he was in it. Um, what is this one of his first movies? I think it was his first movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. He's a young guy. Yeah, and he has one of the more memorable death scenes. <laughs> yeah. Well. So as you sure, as you think true. back over the film, you know, what, what do you think? What was the your favorite or the scariest or whatever of the kill scenes? I think the scariest one is the one with Annie because she is in the woods and she's there's a, a little bit of a chase. It's during it's broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Um, she's being chased, and at that point. Um, you know, especially if you, I mean, I knew the, how the movie was going and I had seen it before, but you know, if you're new to the film, you know, you don't know, uh, who, who or exactly what the stalker is. And I liked how they showed her getting in the, in the Jeep, you know, which turns out to have been, you know, spoiler alert turns yeah. out to have been the killer. And, um, uh, but they don't show you the face of the person that she's, she's talking to or anything, but she's running in the woods. And then, you know, that, that, 
slash to the throat, just a simple slash to the throat um, with a little bit of blood. I'm not as maybe as much of a gore hound as, as some other horror fans. That's not sort of my main main thing. And but uh, to me, that one was that one was probably the most effective of the kill scenes. Yeah, I agree. That's a really really good, and, and it, it's the first we see the little the murder at the very beginning of the movie. To, right to establish right. Cam Blood, but that's the first one that we're really you know we're kind of tracking along and rooting for her and those kinds of things and uh, I think it was well done. I think my the one that I love the most in this movie uh, is the one I think is the scariest I should say is actually um, a death that you that is it's off screen when the actual death occurs. Which why is it your favorite then? But it's it's Brenda when Brenda dies. Um, she gets impaled at the archery range. Right, that's true. But but it's the it's the her getting there that is yeah. so scary because she's remember she's in her mm-hmm. her cabin and then she hears a child what sounds yeah. like a child say help me and I there's nothing creepier that's, than that man. No no that was creepy. And you you. First, she's like, "Did I just really hear that?" Because no children are at the camp yet; they're just getting mm-hmm. ready. You know, the, the, the children aren't going to arrive for another few weeks or whatever. So she's like, "What?" You know, and she kind of sits up, like all of us would do. Try, you know, sit up and be real quiet and listen. Did I really just hear that? And then it's a little bit louder. Help me. Okay, so now she gets up. She puts on her. So there's just some. I think this was really well done. You know, the spacing and she she kind of puts on. A little something or another, I don't even remember. It wasn't much. She wasn't wearing much. And then she opens the door, and then it's much louder. Please help me. So she goes running into the rainy, dark woods to find what she thinks is a child who's in trouble. Even I, It still creeps me out when I watch yeah. that scene. Uh, yeah. And, of course, the lights come on, and, and all you hear is a scream. She's in the archery range. And yeah. Yeah. Um, Her death was a bit... You know, foreshadowed by you know what? What's the 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 kid that was the jokester? Oh, uh, I can't think of his name. Ned, is that right? Ned, Ned yeah, yeah, Ned. And you know how he had shot the arrow. Uh, I don't know if you remember the the scene right when he. It seems like he's just meeting her, or right toward the beginning, it's when they're she's out there checking out the the archer range. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah, and he actually and he shoots, shoots close arrow, to her. Right. 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 <laughs> Right, I think you know that. That I thought that was kind of an interesting foreshadowing of her eventual means of of demise. Well, you know, it's interesting because I've actually always wondered, because um, I remember the scene well. This is such a you know not that big of a deal, but how did they even shoot that scene? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, the arrow comes flying right in there, right next it to it. Really did, yeah. So mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe it's one of those weird perspective things where she's not as close to it as it appears. But this is Friday the 13th with a budget of about $6. I mean, it's, it's not like this is computer effects or anything. So somehow no. they got that arrow zinging in there. It's just uh, that kind of stuff's interesting. Yeah, because it really did almost kill her. I mean, I actually – I thought, wow, now you know, if I was a camp counselor, I would be really you know, teed off at someone shooting an arrow at m- in my general direction. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No doubt. Okay. So – the the big thing 
that I really want to want to talk to you about with Friday the Thirteenth. I have written articles on this. I have talked <laughs> a lot about this. I, you know, on my personal website, I have a huge, massive article on this on this topic uh, because the the majority opinion on this is probably not where where I end up. But here's here's the deal. It's the very end of the film. Okay, Alice, and again, spoiler alerts all over the place here. Alice yeah. decapitates Mrs. Voorhees, right? Who's who's the murderer. So yeah, Alice yep. does away with her after a pretty nice chase scene. And she inexplicably gets in a canoe. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just not the first thing I'm going to think of after I decapitate someone. But. No, especially since she was the threat. You know, Mrs. Voorhees was the threat. She's gone now. What? You know, what's the, but she gets in a, in yeah. a canoe. Go, right go get on the in lake. the Jeep and drive into town. You know, but anyway, right. she gets in the canoe. And uh, pushes herself out into Camp Crystal Lake. This sets up one of the greatest ending horror scenes in cinematic history. You know, a nod to Carrie, uh, mm. the end of mm. Carrie. Yeah, sure. Um, so she's she's in the she's in the canoe. Henry Manfredini's score is playing this really kind of peaceful. Everything's okay. The police. Now this is a very important part of this. The police pull. Into the, the the shot, into the scene, up to the shore of Camp Crystal Lake. So from the point of view of Alice, you're looking at the shoreline, and here come three or four police cars or whatever. You see one policeman get out, kind of puts his hands up to his mouth like he's yelling uh, into you know to Alice. Comes back, point of view of uh, or comes back to Alice. You're looking at her, and then boom, um, Jason. Jump, you know, comes up out of the water behind the canoe, pulls her into the water. Not good things are happening here. Did it scare you, by the way? Did you remember that? that yeah. was? Well, no, I did remember it. I, um, I mean, it's it that that's like you said, one of the most iconic horror endings. So yeah, I knew it was coming. Okay. And so it kind of, I don't remember. Does it fade to white at that point? I don't know, but it it, it fades out or something, mm-hmm. and. When it comes to, Alice is in a hospital bed, and the, the policeman is around her, and she's being questioned. And she says, did you find the boy? And he says, boy? We know what boy? He, you know, Jason, the boy. And she, she, you know, we didn't find any boy. And then the movie ends by her saying, well, then he's still out there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which is a great, which is a great ending. The, the question of all questions is, was Alice dreaming the sequence of Jason pulling her into the water. Was that a hallucination, a dream, a vision, or whatever? So that what actually really happened is she just fell into the water and the police had to, you know, go drag her and save her life and get her to the hospital. Or did Jason really pull her in? And, and and it sets the scene for why we have sequels and those kinds of things. Yeah. So so yeah. where yeah. where are you on this? Okay, I don't I, I I didn't do a lot of research on this, so I don't know what the sort of prevailing opinion is. Okay, good. But uh, yeah, so this is just I'm I'm convinced that it was that it was a dream that she was having a bad nightmare, and because she wakes up suddenly and she's in this in the hospital bed. Um, I what well, the reason I have a hard time imagining that this was really Jason is because his death, his drowning death, occurred in what 1957. Right. 
and uh, the, the but the film is set in 1980. So you know, for however many <laughs> you do the math, the 23 years or whatever that um, it, he was still in the lake, uh, or he he's not a boy anymore if he's been if it's if 23 years have, have elapsed. Right. So I think it was a dream. But I'm anxious to hear what your what your research and your thought has uh, produced. Okay, well, uh, yeah. So let me just go ahead and, and say that that is the prevailing theory. Is that it, okay. it's, it, it's a dream, and that's probably mm-hmm. right. Uh, I think even Cunningham has come out and said, "Of course, it's a dream." The, the The biggest problem. So I'm just so you know, I tend to lean the other direction, <laughs> but, but I'm probably wrong. I acknowledge I'm probably wrong. I, to the world, I say I'm probably wrong. But I've, there's just some haunting questions here that doesn't make any sense if it's if it's not real. Okay, so let me walk through both of them. The biggest okay. weakness of you know, it actually happened are, are some of the things you just said. Um, as a guy who's been in the water for 20, whatever that was, you know, mm-hmm. what, what's what's going on there? You know, he's just, he just comes back to life or what? Um, second, and this one is, is one I addressed in my article, is the police had already driven up to the shoreline before she's attacked. Right, and, mm-hmm. he, and he gets out, and he's looking, and he's yelling. So, if in fact the attack was real, how did they not see it? Yeah, right, right, I mean, That's we, a, yeah, exactly. Because he's he's actually he's looking right at her, right calling at out to her. Yeah, right. all right. So that's I I acknowledge that is a huge problem. I have an answer for it. <laughs> I, I have an answer for what the issue is there, but I acknowledge that's a problem. And then. Um, yeah. So I mean, th- to me, those are the two. Those are the two biggies. Okay. I think a massive, massive, massive part of this is whether or not you're talking about this movie standing alone, or whether you take the series as a whole as part of influencing the way I think about this. Mm-hmm. If the movie stands alone, then I- I'm 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 not as convinced. But the fact is, we have a Friday the 13th Part 2 where Jason is, in fact, alive. Yeah. Okay? Now, here's, 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 the, here's the question that, I, that, to me, there is no satisfactory answer for. Mrs. Voorhees has been living in her own private hell for 20-some whatever years it is because of the death of her son. Even so much so that she's willing to kill teenagers in order to prevent the camp from reopening. You know, in in the movie Mm. talks about she had poisoned water or something previous years to keep. You know, she never wants this camp to. Her whole life is obsessed with her son, and she's devastated. Uh, It's actually a very moving story. You know, Mm -hmm. we could go we could go that route if we wanted to. So if Jason is in fact alive, what's what's he been doing? Yeah, and how is it that she doesn't know that he's he's alive? Yeah. We get a glimpse of him, but she's she's obsessed and she doesn't get a glimpse she, of him. She, she doesn't has know no he's idea. Out there. So the only thing he's been doing is hiding behind trees and, and and keeping himself just out of sight, even though it's clear he's obviously keeping track of his mom, because you know he's now avenging her mom, his mom. In yeah, two is yeah. the whole point. She avenges Jason's death, even though he wasn't dead. 
and so now he's avenging her. That that to me is a major problem um, because how cruel do you have to be as a son to watch your mom <laughs> go through misery for 30 years when you're not dead? Right. And, you, and you're just walking around and everything's fine, you know, except yeah, you're, a little, you're a little deformed or something. So I don't understand that. So I, that takes me back then to, okay, now let's go back to the boat for a second. The, the thing that I think, you know, could potentially happen is that when she is decapitated, it, in some supernatural way, you know, revitalizes Jason from the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake. And he literally springs back to life in order to avenge his mom, who was just decapitated by this camp counselor. He then springs out of the water to attack Alice. Okay, there's two still lingering problems here. The first problem is the police officers. We've already mentioned it. The second problem is between part one and part two, he ages very quickly. Right, because right, right. Because he's still somewhat of a boy in the lake, and in part two, he's clearly a man, which goes back that defense. That's back to your position now. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Okay, this was a dream, but you still have to say back to me. It's obvious Jason was still alive. Right? Yeah, right. So sure. That, so either either way you go on this one, there's a difficult thing. I could say. You know, again, that the supernatural thing that arose him, he had an expediated, you know, aging process. We've seen that in other films before. That's a possibility. What about the cop who's looking directly at the boat? Okay, here's my only answer to this. <clears throat> You're not going to remember this, but <laughs> in, in the movie Halloween, do you remember by chance when Laurie Strode walks home from school? She sees the shape behind the bushes. Remember that really creepy scene where he's just mm-hmm. standing there and then yeah. he disappears. So she's already seen the mask. She's seen the mask from inside the classroom. She's looking out the window and there he is next to the station wagon. And then she gets home. She goes up to her bedroom. She goes over to the window. She looks out the window down, you know, onto the ground next to the the laundry line, the clothesline. And Myers is standing there. You yeah, I, yeah, I do. Sure. Okay. Now here's 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 the part I'm of the movie you. that doesn't make much sense, but nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> cares that it doesn't make sense. I have never heard anybody complain about this scene, even though it's so clearly there. She's looking out the window at Myers. The the the, the shot comes back to her, and she's still looking out the window. She doesn't move her head. She doesn't look anywhere else. She's still staring at Myers. It then goes back to the shot of outside, and he's gone. <laughs> okay. So, so what happened? Yeah. Right? E- either it's he just simply walked away, which there's nothing which mysterious about that. She would have seen. Yeah. Or he just disappears into thin air, which she's going to freak out about. You know. She doesn't react. And she sure. doesn't react at all. The phone rings, and we just keep on going. Okay. That's that, bizarre. That is how I explain the cop thing. There's there's some there's some <laughs> weird reality in cinema where we have to be willing to suspend disbelief enough where somebody can be looking right at something and, and they don't and they don't see what actually happened because either Myers walks away and she it's no big deal or she's gonna you know go grab the phone and call the police or something 
or she sees him dematerialize. <laughs> and, and that's right, gonna, that's going right. to be a reaction too. But nothing gets a reaction, just like nothing yeah. got a reaction out of the. Yeah, I don't know if it's a. I don't know if it works as a parallel or not. But that's my best explanation. <laughs> that's interesting. I'm definitely scratching my head. Um, I, I I kind of remember the Halloween scene that you're talking about, um, but you know it, it never occurred to me this inconsistency. But now that you say that, it's totally a quandary. It's a puzzle. It is. Do you think it's a, a just a is it is it possible that it's just an error that that they made when they were telling the story that that they didn't think this through and nobody caught it? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. But that doesn't I can't let right. that be the answer, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because then I could easily just come and say, well they screwed up by letting the cops get there too soon. It, it's it's okay. an editing error. What should have happened is she got attacked. And then the police show up, right? And rescue her. And rescue right. her. So I can right. I could make the same argument there, mm-hmm. you know, because both of them are blatantly obvious that they're looking right at something. Something incredible happens, and there's no reaction to it at all. <laughs> and they don't see it at all. And they don't see it. Wow. So so you you you're still leaning though that in in Friday the Thirteenth, nineteen eighty, that Jason is. Okay, I see. Your theory was that he might be supernaturally revived by the decapitation of his mother. Yes. Okay. I, you know what? I, obviously, I've not thought of that, and it's interesting. It, did you say that there's precedent for this? Um, I don't know. I think there's precedent okay. for seeing expediated aging in horror movies. Okay. And I'm trying. Okay. To, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember now off the top of my head. Where we have seen this before. Well, we've seen it in Starman. That, that, <laughs> okay. That's not a horror movie. But you remember yeah. when Jeff Bridges comes? He's, in the, he's, of course, he's an alien. So, I don't, but again, it's a, it's more of a supernatural thing. Do you remember when he's born and then she literally watches him age? From I don't know. I don't think I even saw that movie. Oh wow! Yeah, Starman. That, that's Carpenter. Too. I'm aware of it. Oh, it is. Yeah, that John Carpenter directed it. It's one of his best known horror. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Bridges comes. He's an alien. He's 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 born as a he's an infant, and then she watches him age from infancy to adulthood in like half an hour. <laughs> it's right a really neat of, scene, right in uh, front of her. It's a really neat scene. So that's mm-hmm. that's you know I could there is a little bit of I don't have a huge problem with how did he get from young to old. You know, in the matter of so a quickly year or something. I think, but here's where others are going to push well, back. There are others because going to if, say, if, he's, "Go ahead." No, I was just going to say, if he supernaturally revived, he can supernaturally age. That's exactly my point. Now, where right. where I'm going to get pushback is that other fans are going to say, Jason Voorhees is not supernatural until but, part. Oh shoot. Six. Yeah, because that's when Tommy Jarvis comes and sticks the stupid fence post in him. Lightning strikes the fence post. Remember, goes down into the coffin and revitalizes Jason with a lightning bolt. And then he gets up and he has superhuman strength. So there are some fans who will say Jason Voorhees isn't supernatural until much later in the series. I don't buy that. I, I He... His strength is just too much. This isn't just a man walking around, um, willing, 
you know, able to to just kill anybody that comes in sight. And I I think we see supernatural tendencies in him very early in the series, and so I credit that. So it's not, is is it is it. I don't remember the sequel. I have seen all the sequels, but I don't. I don't remember all of them all that well. But um, like in Halloween, Michael Myers is clearly a supernatural being, right? Yes. Okay, because he keeps he he can't die. Is there is there evidence of that with uh, with Jason in the earlier films before number six? Well, see that he seems to just keep coming back. Yes, I mean I think so, yeah. but I'm going to get again. Others are going to say no. It, he's just quite. really he, he he's just hard to kill. I'm like no, no. I mean in part two, Jenny puts a machete halfway through his body, and you know in five minutes he's crashing through a window. So I <laughs> I, I just I can't. That's another thing for me. I think. Voorhees has supernatural tendencies early in the series. Now, granted, he clearly gets bigger and stronger. You know, once Kane Hodder is playing him mm-hmm. in part seven and on, he's huge. You know, he's not that big in the early. But I still think there's there are supernatural elements in Jason, even in parts two, three, and so forth, which kind of goes back. That helps my position a little bit. Because if he's just a normal guy walking around, he's just going to be a normal guy. You know, he's not going to be able to withstand such incredible pain. You know, machetes and chainsaws and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, kind of, it's interesting, though, isn't it? I mean, if you really think yeah, about this, it's an interesting. If, if you sit there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hadn't I hadn't thought about it that much. I knew that. Um, um, you know, just from watching how, or just from watching Friday the Thirteenth last night, that the ending is, you know, it leaves you a little bit on, you know, on edge. What what exactly happened? But um, I like your supernatural theory. I really do. I think you, I that helps. That, I think rather that than helps. just rather than just simply writing it off as a, you know, as a as an error in the filmmakers that they didn't edit it properly or something i i like your theory a lot better yeah and i again i still now that we've said all of this it probably really is just a dream and i'm just off my rocker but there's there's one more thing i just want to mention about the end of the movie i've always felt like did, did you notice when alice says then he's still there mm. she's looking directly into the camera she's not looking mm-hmm. off to the right you know at the sheriff anymore she's looking at you right right yeah. into the camera I've right. always felt like that's a – if it was really just a dream, she's wrong. He's, he's, he's not still there. He's not in true, the water. True. He's dead he's, or whatever. Yeah. But when she's looking into the camera and she says, then, then he's still there, still out there, whatever, mm-hmm. it's almost like you and her are sharing something that you both know that nobody else knows, which makes it creepy because – no one's going to take this seriously, even though we and her know the kid is still there and, and not good things are going to happen, which they don't. In part two, things go crazy. So it's almost like an, some insider language there that if he if it really happened, it makes that moment more special for me. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah, that's that's good. I like it. That's helpful. Um, yeah. I'm I'm still scratching my head a little bit, but I I think it makes sense. 
Well, I would love to. I don't. The, the well, problem what? here is I don't think I've met anybody else who's with me on this. <laughs> so again, you know, it's like in church history. If you come up with something that no one else has ever come up with in two thousand years of church history, um, you're wrong. You're probably wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's no one's where ever thought this before. Yeah. 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 I guess so. And especially, didn't you just didn't you say a moment ago that that Sean Cunningham, the the director has even suggested that it was yes. just a dream. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I think In so. In an interview. Now, Not, did he write it? Was he the writer too? I don't remember. I don't from remember the credits. either. Um, so we may have a writer who might have a different view. Written by Victor um, Miller. Victor Miller. Okay. I don't even know. I, so it was produced and directed by Sean Cunningham. And Victor Miller wrote it. And he's best known mm-hmm. for soap operas. How's that for? <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> Good deal. Okay. So whatever happened to? I, my, I, go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. No, I was just going to say whatever happened to the actress who played Alice, Adrian King. Well, she came back for part two, of course, and in one of the most controversial deals of the whole series. They kill her immediately mm. in part two, which is just – this is one thing about horror franchises. I really don't understand why they do this. You know, they they brought Alice back, this strong um, female lead who, who warded off the enemy in part one, and then in five minutes in the second movie, she's dead. That, yeah. That just – What a waste. It's so horrific. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, that got that. I think fans still just really hate that. And then the the same thing happens in Halloween Four. Okay, the the Rachel Carruthers, who's played so beautifully by Ellie Cornell, um, she is the strong female lead of Halloween Four. Her and Daniel Harris, the little girl Jamie Lloyd, they survive. You know, and then they go through all of that unbelievable stuff, and then they kill her. In part five, in the first five minutes in the movie, it's just—it doesn't make any sense. Is that just? Be- yeah, that doesn't make any sense. From the perspective of the narrative, it, that seems like a bad decision. I wonder if it's because of contracts or. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> I can't on, imagine moving on with a new whatever. But in terms yeah, of the yeah. actor itself, I don't—I don't really know if she's—if she's really known for anything else besides Friday yeah. the Thirteenth. Yeah, because whenever whenever I see when I saw her last night, I'm thinking, boy, she looks so 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 familiar. But I think she just looks familiar because I've seen that movie ten times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think she. I don't know if she's been anything. I didn't look her up. Okay, I, yeah, but we'll, I we'll look her up real quick here. Yeah, curious if she if she did anything else after that. It seems like she had potential. Okay, so. No, not really. She was, mm. she was a voice in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, <laughs> and then okay. she was in The Butterfly Room, a fairly recent movie, 2012. Um, wow. Yeah, nothing though. So she had, yeah, had quite a long time, uh, sort of away from the, 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 the silver screen. Yeah, in in two of her films. Are short films that are 
that's called Back to the Lake, and I have to assume those are documentaries. Mm. Friday the 13th. So, you know what? She's probably making a living uh, going to horror conventions. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I looked, I, I did, I, I did notice this, um, and maybe you already knew this, but the Friday the 13th was filmed at an actual Boy Scout camp. Yeah, in New Jersey. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's not a set. It's an actual camp. Well, there, I went to their website today and they are selling, you might want to get on this. They are selling pieces of wood from the dock. No the way. original doc from the movie. Yeah, they are. You can buy a piece of wood framed for $75. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm totally doing it. Uh-huh. From the, from the doc, wife. from the movie. Yeah, all right. It's so, our secret. That, uh, what is the Camp No Dodo uh, or something? Yeah, I yeah. That's been a long I, time since I've... Camp. It's, uh, it's Camp No B... Bosco, Novi Bosco, Bosco. It's a Boy Scout camp. Now, this is interesting. Nope. Okay, this is interesting because I, a long time ago, a long time ago, back when Friday the 13th Films.com was fairly new, I went to this camp website. And at that time, they wanted nothing to do with Friday the 13th. Huh. They had a disclaimer uh, on their uh. site that said, don't come, you know, trespassers will be shot. Not really, but, you know, you're, yeah. don't don't trespass. Don't come looking for, you know, this is still an operating camp and things like that. I'm at their website right now. It looks like they are just mm-hmm. eating it up. Because like, mm-hmm. they're selling water from the lake. A bottle of water for fifteen dollars from the from the lake. It called Angry Mother. <laughs> Gosh, and uh, sawmill shavings. I mean, they're they're selling all kinds of goodies from the. I mean, they're taking advantage of it. They're selling tours. You can okay, so you can take tours now, mm. of the camp. <laughs> I wonder if they came under some financial stress and were like, "Yep, we don't have any choice." Yeah. Good for them. Absolutely. Why not? But that, I mean, maybe they, it looks like the the piece of wood from that um, from the dock. It looked like it it was kind of uh, worn out. So maybe they were gonna just have to get rid of it for firewood anyway. And so here they can make a chunk of change. But how do how do we know? <laughs> well, how yeah. How do we know? <laughs> like. Really? You know? I mean... Yeah, I don't think there's anybody from Lloyd's of London out there checking the authenticity <laughs> of... <laughs> I mean, this could be the... Like, if they're still selling these things ten years from now, we, we know yeah. something weird's going on. <laughs> yeah. This could be lumber from anything that we're shelling out $75 for. But it is pretty tempting. Oh, it's unbelievably... T- I mean, you still gotta yeah. do it right, even if... Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's that's neat. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. How about that. There you go. Well, one last thing to mention maybe is the score. Harry Manfredini okay. sure. um, scored the movie. It's what he's definitely most famous for. Um, he also wrote the he also wrote the music 
Now, this is going to be a long shot, you know, if, if you remember this. But you remember when Annie walks into the restaurant um, when she's at, looking for directions to Camp Crystal yeah. Lake? And, and that's where she yeah. meets the truck driver and everything. And there's a song mm-hmm. in the background that's that's playing. Oh, please don't let your heart belong to anyone. And they go over no. and turn down the radio when she comes in. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. I remember her them doing that. Yeah, I don't remember the music, but I remember them turning down the radio. Yeah. So if you watch okay. it a million times, like that <laughs> song that's in the restaurant when they turn down the radio, okay, it's the same song that's being played in the diner when Steve Christie goes into town. And he's eating. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, and she, you know, he gets, same song. Same song. So the, okay. you, you know something's going on here because they probably Harry Manfredini wrote that song just wow. just for the movie. And it's it's just it, it just sounds like a radio crappy country pop hit, you know, or whatever. And uh, but he wrote it, which I just think is kind of cool, specifically for yeah. the movie. Uh, yeah. Well, they made good use of it too, apparently. Yeah. So, but I think his score is, you know, definitely memorable. The yeah. Um, so let me ask you this: the the famous part where the music kind of stops and it goes. What what do you think's happening there? What's being, what's being said during that part? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I actually I was wondering if those were words. Um. I mean, you know, don't uh, – don't. I mean, doesn't – does Carpenter do something like that with uh, the, the music in, in Halloween? No. No, this is this is Friday the 13th thing. Yeah. That 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 little technique. Yeah. I don't know. Is, there, is, it, is it saying kill? It is. Like kill, 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 kill. Yeah. Yeah. But what – so apparently this has been a source – this is one of those little history things, you know, that – this has been a source of frustration for Harry Manfredini, you know, since 1980 apparently, because when you listen to it, and I have to agree with this, when you listen to it, it sounds like it's it's saying cha 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 cha, it's like Jason, like cha cha. Oh, uh, okay. Cha cha cha. But what it's actually saying is kill kill kill, ma, short for mother. Uh. Remember when killer mother killer. <laughs> yeah killer, right. That's what he's saying. It's actually Harry Manfredini's voice doing that. He's saying "kill, kill, kill, ma, ma, ma," but it come. But the way he does it, and then he adds all the effects and everything, it sounds like it's "cha," like a like a J. Uh, and so he's like, "So wow. that was unintentional." That was unintentional. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when you hear when you watch an interview with him, he almost gets like, "Why does everybody think you know I'm saying kill, ma?" Like yeah, it should just be yeah. obvious, but it's really not. It's that you can't really make yeah. it out. Although you got it. Yeah, I think. Well, I must have read that somewhere or something because um, I, I don't know that I actually came to that conclusion from listening to it. I think I had read that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, anything else about the movie that stood out or that you want to talk about? No, no. I mean, it's a great, it's a great film. Like I said, for me, it, you know, it has a lot of nostalgia to it. I, I think that, you know, it's, uh, it, this is Friday the 13th. I'm glad I watched it, uh, in commemoration of Friday the 13th. And I don't know if I'll watch it once a year, but, uh, you know, it's something I want to pull out every now and then as a horror fan. Yeah. Almost just to say 
thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on the blackstyes.com, I started many years ago writing reviews of the series, and I've I've, uh-huh. I've made it up to I think the sixth film. Um, okay. So I have a few more to go, but I I, ran, I went back when I knew we were going to do this and was rereading some of those, and yeah, I think for the most part I'm I'm still agreeing with what I wrote. So if anybody is interested, you can go to theblackesteyes.com and read some of the reviews on the Friday the 13th films. And if you haven't watched them, you should do that. Are they on anything? Are they on Netflix or Prime or anything that you know of? Um, no, they're not on Netflix because I checked last night. Um, but So I ended up watching it on, on demand. Okay. But, uh, I, yeah, I didn't check Amazon. Did you what? Do you watch it on? Where do you do on demand? Through what service? Amazon. Oh, uh, no. We. I mean, I. I have Amazon Prime, but um, it, just through our cable company. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Then we have a. Yeah, they have an on-demand. And I searched for, it, but I looked on Netflix and it wasn't there, and so I don't think any of them are. Okay, well that's what we've got tonight on body count. That was fun. I, you know, I probably spent too much time on the dream sequence, but I, I think that's interesting. I think that's an interesting part. I, I think that you've made a contribution to horror thought. Horror oh, great! Oh, I'm so yes, good. yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, until next time, this is Philip and Scott, um, saying have a great time watching horror Thanks. movies, and we will. See you next time on Body Count. Scott, thanks for listening. Yeah, great talking to you too. Bye bye.